you are listening to the Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Just rippling abs. How are we going to get fucking sponsored by these guys if we can't even get the name right? Did you say you're doing wrestling moves? Oh god, I'm bleeding. Jason Kale is walking around on stilts. Fucked up. I like to spice our pee bottle. I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. I gotta go away. Baby, it's cold outside. This evening has been. Been hoping that you dropped it. So very nice. I'll hold your hands there just like ice. My mother will start to worry. Beautiful, what's your My father will be pacing the floor. Listen to the fireplace roar. So really, I'd better scurry. Beautiful, please don't hurry. Well, maybe just a... Half a drink more. I'll put some records on while I pour. Wow. Happy holidays! Thank you for your forcing me to learn that song and sing it with you. I really You're welcome. It. We looked it up online and we even watched a, a little video. Yeah, we watched a little video. Got our We got ourselves in key. And then we executed yeah. it flawlessly. I don't think there's anything we could have done to make it better. I don't, th- what we did, I don't think can be better. I think we knocked it out of the park on our first try. I'm a little self-conscious about like my, my female in- voice. I think your female voice is spot on. Okay. I'm not self-conscious about it at all. Okay. And I well, was happy to play the female as well. As I yeah, said. Yeah, that's true. We tried a few different positions. <laughs> <laughs> that is provocative. What are you talking after about? What we just... Finished disgusting. All right. My okay. name is Dave. Hi. I am Feedy. And this is a Thundercling podcast. What episode is this? Is this, this episode is... four? You know what? To all the haters out there that said we never make it past. So they said we weren't going to make it, man. We weren't going to make it past getting the microphones. This is f- for you. And this is the same fucking microphones, too. So suck, suck it. it. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Goddamn haters. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Happy holidays. I'm sorry. Happy holidays. Oh, right. Happy holidays. We should also probably retroactively remove that intro song because that it's, song's in a little bit of hot water right now. I just, I don't agree with that at all. Okay. Uh, it is. And I understand why. Yeah. But it's just, you know, I understand that it has some, um, maybe oh. dropping some roofies in the eggnog <laughs> connotations, wow. but you know, that, uh, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Yeah, maybe I, we I should. Do, I do like that song. Let's just say I like the melody. Right? If it, yeah. <laughs> Someone should make a PC version of it or like a what would be considered okay. Baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> you can leave if you want. You don't have to stay. That's, yeah, that's actually something like that. Yeah, wait. You should. Have you been working on that? No. Oh. That was just, um, I have been thinking about it though. Hey, what are you doing for the holidays, man? What are you doing for. Dude, I'm getting in my car. I'm driving into the ton the wilderness the cold wilderness of iowa Ooh. the sparse corn lands where the first snow falls that's right and it stays on the and ground it stays until on the... april if people are like oh man the winters are tough here in denver no nothing like iowa minnesota it's cold north dakota north dakota yeah Iowa's a frigid frigid place to yeah. be right now but you're gonna be surrounded by the warmth of kin, yeah, folk. I'm gonna hang out with my girlfriend's family, my beloved girlfriend's family. Oh, how this, about you, Dave? What are you doing? 
I am also going to be hanging out with your beloved girlfriend. Whoa. Uh, hey, whoa. I just kidding, bro. You, I mean, you could come if you wanted, actually. I mean, that would be kind of fun. That'd be nice. It'd save my, my thundercling s- on the road. Hey, we're going to visit Feeny's girlfriend's parents. The first uh, episode. <laughs> uh, no, my my mom and my sister are coming here to Denver. Congratulations for a sunny and like sixty degree Christmas. That's it's fun. I it <laughs> makes me nervous though. Why? Because my mom's come in and I woke up on Saturday morning. Did you get her a gift? I, I, I did get her a gift. Okay. I looked at the house and I thought I'm going to get a spanking if I don't do a very, very deep cleaning. That's good that she still spanks you. My mom does too. Yeah. It's a good, it keeps me humble. That's right. It does keep you humble. It kind of ruins your ego. Yeah. Or like your self-image. Mom, I'm a... F- I'm a fucking adult. I'm a fucking swap, swap, and then don't make me take off my belt, Feedy. Oh my god! Then you're like, whoa. whoa. I'm sorry. Mom. I'm sorry, Mom. I will clean up. I'll make um, my bed. I'll finally do it <laughs> after all these years. Um, they're coming out here. Uh, and yeah, it should be fun. I'm I'm actually really psyched. I'm They'll rooting be out for here you for a week. Thanks, man. I'm rooting for you. Thanks. You know, tricky family is tricky. Family is a very tricky juggling act during the holidays. Yeah. Especially when you're hosting. See, you're going to go to Iowa, which means it's incumbent on you to be on your best behavior. You're going to be behaving yourself. You're in somebody else's house. If you take a big old dump in the toilet and splatter the back of it, you're going to use the little brush thing to brush it off. That's right. I am not. That's You don't do that at my house, but you will there. Uh, (laughs) uh, But when, when family comes to your place... The equation is flipped a little bit. Hello, welcome to my house. Welcome to my house, welcome, mom. Mom, it's just weird, and you feel Dude. like you maybe you could get annoyed a little bit easier when it's your house. I really, yeah. You know what I mean? How long are they staying? Probably a week. Oh shit! Which, no, that's good. A week's good. Week's a long time. Dude. I, well, there's going to be a lot of entertainment. This is your mom Boulder? She's six under, dude. So I took my mom and my late father. Uh, to Flagstaff once, <laughs> and uh, wow, we were on. Uh, or I was on that. I don't some V six over by Eric Varney, and I was like, "Mom, do you want to know how like people protect climbers when they're bouldering?" She's like, "Sure." So I showed her how to spot, <laughs> and as I was climbing this thing, she was standing like right next yeah, to me, close. and I had a heel hook, and my heel popped off. <laughs> And I karate kicked her on top, on the soft top of my mother's cranium. I like downward axed her right between the eyes and the top of the head. And she fell down and did two somersaults and almost rode down, oh rolled down the hill. Oh my God, Dave. And that was, no. last, that was the last time. No wonder Christmas is awkward. That's why I still get spanked, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than when I go climbing with my dad and... It's just me and him, and he like I I've t- explained him to him many times how spotting <laughs> your only job is to do something once they've fallen. Yeah. But my dad, when I'm climbing something, I'm like <clears throat> kind of grunting. He'll just like I'll just feel his hand like give me a little I, extra support. And that's it's like kinda sweet. It's like dad, stop it! You're embarrassing me from all these cool guys. <laughs> and what does your dad say? He doesn't care. I'm gonna take off my belt, Feedy. If you keep <laughs> talking like that, he thinks he's being very helpful and. For what it's worth, thank you, Dad, for everything. Yeah, thank you, Papa Feedy, 
for keeping our little feedy in working order. His back's doing good. His legs are good. His fingers healing. Yeah. So happy holidays. My dad to just you. heckles me. I'm like he's like a professional dad heckler. Like I'll go to the rock and I'll be brushing. He's like, wow, bet you brush the rock better than you brush your teeth. <laughs> just like what? dad. That is such a dad yeah. dig too. It's just yeah. like. Yeah, probably. That's not fucking really funny or anything. <laughs> exactly. Like your friends would burn you way worse than that. Oh yeah. my god, what are we talking? about? I don't about? know. Where are we? This is the holidays, dude. Mm, I can't baby, even... it's cold outside. That's you what... don't have to stay. <laughs> okay, um, I'll call an Uber. <laughs> I'll call one for you because I'm chivalrous <laughs> and shit. There's not a roofie in your egg dog. Feedy, who do we have on episode four of the Thundercling podcast today? The one, the only, climbing narc, and the one and only, Chris Widener. Whoa. Okay. Let's take them in order. Okay. The climbing narc, dude. That was like the most important aggregation website. He, I think... He was climbing Instagram before climbers had Instagrams, dude. He was the the... Like, literally. This is... Literally true. Whoa. He was the first website I opened every day. Yeah. Like before I went to work, f- f- like from 2007 or something to like 2012. Yeah. It was such good content. So frequently updated. Yeah. And always a joy. And he, also the video section of Climbing Narc, the Climbing Narc website was awesome. And who is this Climbing Narc? His name is Brian Reynolds. And he is a Midwest climber. That's right. He used to, he, he lived in Wisconsin, and then he moved to Colorado, and then he moved to Boulder, which I'm not even sure is in Colorado. I think Boulder's its own state. Yeah. I and think then it really is. He moved back. Now he lives in Milwaukee. He's like, peace. And climbing Narc is dead. I think it's dead. Yeah. We I, talk about it a little bit. We talk about it. And then Chris Widener, holy cow, OG. Some people might not know Chris. They sleep on the Chris. As well. But a lot of people do. Chris has a long climbing resume. Crazily, he got started in broadcasting in 1996. And he's found his way into the uh, commentary of Louder Than Eleven's coverage of USA Nationals for bouldering and sport climbing. With Mr. Reynolds. He also writes a really stellar... Yeah. um, Super good column for the daily camera in Boulder. He's been doing that for 11 years. That's intense. He's written for all the major magazines. And he's wrapping up with uh, Jason Haas, the new Boulder Canyon guidebook. Sweet. I'm excited. Super sick, brah. Brah. They're both solid climbers. So what what else can we say besides they were a treat? I was unprepared. (laughs) So this was like, we did this interview a really long time ago. Like three months ago? Yeah, this was our second, our our first. This is our first real, real interview. interview. Yeah, guys, our first real interview. So Feedy's feeling self conscious. With yeah, so I was like, expect. I was like, oh, we're just gonna have a chat. It's gonna be a podversation. And I had, I came to the the interview, and Dave had his laptop with like two pages of notes, and I had like one scribbled piece of sticky paper. And <laughs> it's Dave was Brian like, with an eye, Brian Dave, with an eye. That's the only note you. Yeah, had. it was really embarrassing. And Dave <laughs> was like, oh. Okay. Yeah, this will be fine. And no, yeah. Yeah. Is that what you brought? Uh, Would you like to use my my questions as well? So I might not talk that much, and I'm sorry. That's why I'm making up for it right now by just never shutting 
up. <laughs> so this whole podcast thing is, you know, it's totally new to us. So we're kind of learning as we go along. I think I feel like we're we're getting things solidified. We're galvanizing <laughs> our message. But this one, this interview, because I was so fascinated to hear about like the ins and out of climbing broadcasting, which just sounds weird to roll off the tongue anyway. Like how I wanted the deep cuts. Like I want to know how the sausage yeah. is made. So it turned into a bit more of an interview, more so than our normal conversations. Luckily. Those two are killers. Yeah. Luckily, they are incredible. For my faults and Feedy's many, many faults, many mountainous faults. It's exhausting. These, the, it's, it's, you should feel what I feel. Totally exhausted right now, dude. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sorry I said that. It's okay. I'm sorry. I don't mean that. Not in the holiday time. Dude, I forgive you because Thanks. I'm also feeling generous during this blessed time. <laughs> um, well, they were great, and we thank them for coming on. So let's just get to it, dude. Brian Runnels, Chris Widener, Unprepared Feedy, <laughs> and Dave, who doesn't know how to hold a conversation. Scared, scared, little, scared Dave. I got scared of shit, bro. Well, thanks for doing it, gents. Are you good to go for like uh, 45 minutes, Brian? Yep. Yeah, I think she's well asleep by this point. Yeah. Nice. I I can stay up till 9 o'clock tonight. Whoa. What time do you get up in the morning? My wife gets up at 5. Oh, Jesus. And then you get Does up. Does that mean you get up at five? I mean, my sleep is disrupted significantly starting at five <laughs> o'clock. So, yeah. How old is your baby? Uh, one year old. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Congratulations, yeah. dude. Thank you. Are you guys still in Milwaukee? Yep. Nice. Chris, where are you right now? You're in Boulder? Yeah. Yep. How'd the trash bash go? Oh, man. It was awesome. It was super fun, actually. Willie's not doing it anymore. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Willie hasn't done it for a couple of years. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like more FCC and BCC combined effort. Um, we didn't have too many people this year, but we cleaned up a ton of shit and it was really fun. Nice dude. More, more swag for the people who came up, who showed up. Exactly. Yeah. Do you know what? I was going to do like a chronology and like talk about climbing and stuff and like talk about how you got into climbing. Let's just skip it, dude. Let's just talk about, I want to get into it right away. But my first question for both of you guys is like who first contacted you about the gig to like work. Do you work for USAC or do you work for louder than 11 and who like first floated the idea to, I think it was Brian to you first, right? Yep. Yeah, we we work through Louder Than Eleven, so they're the the people that are contracted with USA Climbing to do the broadcasts. Um, I got started with them in 2013, I think. Um, it just happened is kind of a strange series of uh, circumstances that led me to that. But it's basically they were having a broadcast that they were doing. And they needed somebody to do it with no budget, and I was available. <laughs> and that's pretty much how I got started with them. Did you get compensation? I don't think so for a while there. Yeah, oh. it was it was mostly you know, the, uh, I happened to be living in Boulder at the time, and so the first, I think it was in Colorado Springs for Bouldering Nationals, and then shortly thereafter it was in um, 
in Boulder at movement for rope nationals. And so it just was easy because I was there and I kind of knew them already to work with them. And why did they tell you, I'm sure they did like why they chose you in particular. I mean, there are a million climbers, a million quote unquote celebrities. I mean, you were a celebrity back then with climbing narc, but did they say why they picked you out out of the giant pool of climbers and like climbing stars in the Boulder bubble? That's a good question. I, I was friends with John and Jordan, and I had um, Jordan Shipman, I'd right? Become, yep. Okay. Yeah, and I'd been, uh, I'd met them a couple years prior, and so I kind of had a pre-existing relationship with them, just kind of working behind the scenes with them, talking through this stuff. And I think they they felt like I was really passionate about uh, competition climbing and knew a lot of stuff, and so they felt like I could fill the time accordingly and. My rate was also very affordable. So <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'd like to talk to you about a couple gigs that I have going. I could uh, hire you maybe for some homework. Well, I think the rate has has gone up from zero though, so that's the oh shit, forget it. That's then. the trick. That was and, that was five years ago. And Chris, so then how did you get pulled on board? I know you were you're friends with uh, John. I've seen that video where you guys put up a first ascent in Red Rocks. Oh yeah, yep, <laughs> um, yeah. That was a funny one. That was like a um, fun time. So, actually, my first gig announcing for a comp, believe it or not, was actually in 1996. Um, I grew up oh. in Seattle. That's where I lived until I was 27 years old. And I worked at a climbing gym, the Vertical World, for um, a number of years. And at one point, they were hosting the Junior National, like the PCA Junior National Championships. And um, Chris Sharma and Katie Brown, you know, 15 years old were the champs. And they were desperate for someone to announce this competition. And I don't remember exactly how I got into it, but it was kind of the thing where I think my boss was hard up and was just like, hey, you know, we don't have anyone, Chris, would you mind doing this? And I was like, well, I was going to go to the comp anyway. I might as well. So I got behind the mic as just like a live um, host. And it, it actually turned out super fun. I kind of yeah. did the whole weekend comp with this super cheesy radio voice. And, <laughs> and I actually got lots of compliments on it. People, <laughs> people thought I actually worked in the radio. Mm. And, um, and anyway, so that was my one and only time a long time ago. And then, and then in 2013, actually, I think it was when I watched one of the bouldering nationals, um, I, uh, I just remember thinking, damn it, I, I want to revisit that, you know? And yeah. uh, I remember thinking that whoever was doing it with Brian, I was like, God, I feel like this could be improved. And so I approached John and just said, yo, I want to try to do this next year. If you need someone, if you're open to it, I would love to just give it a shot. Put me in, coach. And so I, 2014, Seagull Block was my first. Um, it was my debut with Louder Than Eleven and with Brian. So that was that. Awesome. Did you guys... How is uh how's your first time behind the mic? I get like what are the jitters like? And I'm going to ask you about preparation a little bit, but first of all, I want to know about like the mental state you're going through is like okay, it's about ready to go, the cameras are are going to roll in 5 4 3 2 1 and your mics go hot. Like do you guys feel the jitters or is it pretty easy for you? For me it was it was terrifying. I, I <laughs> really like and not comfortable public speaking. I, part of the the reason that I enjoyed the Climbing Arc website for so long was that it was relatively anonymous and people didn't know who I was. Yeah, it's so totally this anonymous. Of, this kind of ruined that in a big way. <laughs> um, and so, like that, coupled with the you know the pressure of a live broadcast, having that countdown, having to start is really 
like an unnatural thing for most people, I think. Yeah. It definitely was for me. And so it took me many years to get comfortable with that. Would you say you're yeah, comfortable and, now? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's gotten better the last couple. Like I would used to get physically ill before the broadcast started. <laughs> um, like I just didn't, like I was so nervous. And um, and so over time, it, you know, I've done uh, quite a few of them now, so I don't really get as nervous anymore. And you just kind of, uh, the repetition makes it easier. That would have been a terrible debut if you just chucked your cookies right when the cameras came on. <laughs> what about you, Chris? Yeah, yeah. So I I still get quite nervous right before um, the countdown when there's just a few minutes to go. Um, fortunately, Brian has always just taken the role of being the buffer. He just right away it goes to it goes to we're doing it live with Brian talking, and so I get eased into it by not having to say anything for like a sixty seconds. Oh, and then nice. usually after the first minute or two, yeah. we get into a groove and we're also off camera usually after just a couple minutes, which also makes it easier because it's difficult for me to focus on action, what I'm supposed to say while also looking at the camera and that kind of thing. So I, yeah, I still get totally nervous, but it's a little easier. My job's easier than Brian's. Yeah. Getting the first you know, five minutes is probably the hardest part because you're not really usually commentating on actual climbing, which that gets to be the easier part. But you're actually kind of having to speak more extemporaneously and sort of set the stage for what's about to happen without anything actually happening. And that's where, um, you know, preparation can make it easier. And I think it could definitely be easier than we've had it. Um, you know, <laughs> I think we'll probably talk more about that later, but um, it's definitely the hardest is just you know, going from nothing to you're yeah. like on you have to be on with no real warm up. Dude, it's zero to 60, like right yep. out of the gates. Yep. And what was your guys' relationship before you guys started commentating together? Do you guys know each other or was it sort of just put into the ring together? Man. I, I, can't, I, I can't really remember. I don't think we knew each other much, but I don't remember you know, how much we met right prior to actually doing the Seco comp that you were talking about. Yeah, I I want to say that we had met, but we certainly didn't know each other. That's kind of make it a little bit more nerve wracking when you're getting <laughs> to know like not only the job that you're doing, but also the person like you're sitting shoulder to shoulder with. <laughs> you know, I had the advantage of watching Brian on previous comps, so I kind of was familiar with his style enough that I tried to blend and tried to not step on his toes and Brian is always really uh accommodating and, and easy to work with in my opinion so it was kind of easy for me but yeah he he must have thought god who's this guy <laughs> no not at all and, and I was I was fortunate the first few I did with Pete Ward or at least the first couple of bouldering nationals oh right he kind of has like a larger personality so he could kind of take some of the burden there and he kind of set me up for things and made it easier for me. And then I felt like I was able to kind of do that with when Chris came on board and we've done a bunch of the comps since then and able to kind of build that relationship that way, both on the broadcast, but also off the broadcast, we've become friends as well. So it makes, it just makes things easier once you have a relationship with somebody to do these broadcasts. For sure. You guys, I'm just like off the bat. I want to say you're a great duo. I, I love it, man. You're the best part of it, of watching like nationals to me. But, um, I do have a question. What's Pete Ward doing now? I, I remember he's a long haired guy, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's doing some sort of international business, something rather, uh, much bigger than climbing at this point. Right. All right. Well, so let's talk, let's talk about the art 
of color commentary or broadcasting or whatever we call it. Uh, you guys are kind of pioneers in the climbing world a bit. I mean, I know it's been people have been announcing and broadcasting for ages, but you guys are kind of the go-to guys now. Um, I don't know if either of you are into like ball sports at all, but did you watch or listen to any sports commentary like in order to take some do some background research or did you just go into it cold and like we'll handle it as it, as it comes mm, yeah well personally i don't pay much attention to ball sports um however i'd say my commentating hero would have to be phil leggett for the the tour de france yeah. because he oh, is yeah. just He's he makes what could be a really boring section, long sections of of cycling. He makes it so interesting. And uh, and before I was even involved with Louder Than Eleven, I remember watching him and and coming away thinking, wow, I, I'm kind of embarrassed, but my favorite part of the tour is listening to Phil Leggett commentate. So he was kind of my inspiration, if you will. For sure. What about you, Brian? That's funny. Uh, Chris and I never actually talked about that, but I've been actually watching cycling a lot more lately than climbing. And so, yeah, it's I take a lot from uh, sports that are broadcast that are like long and slow, um, similar to especially like the qualifying rounds that we have to broadcast that can take, you know, several hours and you're feeling lots and lots of time. So uh, things like cycling and even um, for years ago, I'd watch like live poker broadcasts, which can be also very tedious. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm sure managing energy is something you guys just have to constantly be working on too. Just not staying, trying to keep the psych high at all times, but not getting too yeah. quiet or repetitive. It's, I mean, the repetitive part, I, I'm sure you've seen the. They're going horizontal. Meanwhile, Nathaniel's getting horizontal on problem three, going horizontal in an absolutely horizontal position. <laughs> Quote unquote highlight reels that I. <laughs> Brian, yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready to listen to your fantasies right now. I'm not sure I want to hear about your fantasies no. right now, Brian. <laughs> yeah, Brian, you... Brian doesn't even watch them. I was going to ask you guys actually about that. Um, so I'll just ask it now. Obviously, Brian <laughs> doesn't. But Chris, do you ever go back and watch the uh, the broadcast either out of like morbid curiosity or to kind of highlight some things you could work on or find out what's going well or what's really clicking. Do you ever watch them? Cause that can be, that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous gambit. I watch the quote unquote highlight reels because I think they're hilarious, oh. but honestly, <laughs> no, as, as much as the studious part of me, the very small studious part of me thinks that I should go back and kind of evaluate my performance. I actually don't bother doing that. Honestly, um, <laughs> You know, I ask around for feedback. Yeah. I, I hear a lot. I get a lot of opinions from either friends or just um, sometimes I'll get an occasional uh, random email or text from someone. But um, but yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't actually study the broadcast. What's the um, what's the social media feedback like? Because you guys kind of put yourself out there on an well, I mean, on an international stage, really on the interturns. Um What's that feedback like? Because I'm sure it's mostly positive, but I get you. I bet you get some people yeah. drinking Haterade. Yeah, <laughs> I, I used to really struggle with this. Like the feedback used to really bother me. You know, I, uh, even though it, it was largely positive, but I think with most things in life, you kind of focus on the negative things you hear. Yeah. Um, and so it used to really bother me, but now I don't really. It doesn't really 
bother me one way or the other. And you know, I try to look for those like constructive feedback, but that's not usually what the internet is for. Um, <laughs> no, dude, have you been on Twitter? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, for the most part, I think we've like people have been uh, generally supportive of what we've been doing and recognizing that it's a pretty challenging job that we're trying to do the best that we can with. And, you know, we're trying to make things entertaining and fun for people and not try to take it too seriously. And like Dave said, it's, it's a pretty new thing. Like there hasn't really been this style of commentary being done for climbing stuff. So it's all, it's all learning. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the IFSC has been doing it for a while too, and they get, you know, tons of negative feedback, I think more than we probably see. So that's good, I guess. I actually read some of that feedback, uh, preparing to talk to you guys. Cause I mean, frankly, there's not a lot of research to be done on this, but I was looking at some of the feedback forums and an overwhelming number of people were like, let's get Runnels and Widener <laughs> on all of the broadcasts. That, I mean, that's got to feel pretty good. What about you, Chris? Do you ever, uh, look at the message boards and like, um, uh, either get frustrated or find something good to take away from that? Because it is mostly overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, you know, I I don't seek out um, message boards per se, but I definitely appreciate any and all feedback. I mean, I I think I must have relatively thick skin probably from writing and getting years Mm -hmm. of feedback, um, positive and negative from writing. So I actually, I don't mind getting the negative stuff at all. And uh, often I'll learn more from that even if it's like scathing, there's usually an element of something I could do better. Um, so yeah, it, I, I really enjoy feedback. The more, the better. Yeah. Right. I mean, as a writer, I know the feeling you're going to get plenty of it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's generally a good thing. Even the, even if it's unconstructive explosions of criticism, you can find a nugget Mm -hmm. in there where like, yeah, I can probably do better. I mean, I can, you know, you can always definitely do better. Totally. Um, yeah. What about, talk about the learning curve that you guys go on. I mean, you've been doing this for four years as a team. Um, how's the learning curve been both like behind the mic, in front of the camera, and then engaging a climbing audience who, I mean, if they're watching nationals, they're pretty discerning. Yeah. Things have changed a lot since the beginning, and it's a lot of things that you don't see on the broadcast, like the the equipment that we use, how we get set up has changed a ton. Um, so when we first started, you know, like the the sound equipment was very rudimentary. We'd put like an earbud in, and it was really hard to hear. We had handheld mics, and over time, all of that has improved to make the experience of doing the commentary easier for us. And so there's been tons of like technological changes like that that have shifted in the years I've been doing it that most people don't see or care about, you know, it's not, uh, they just want to see good climbing action. But for us, it makes a big difference, uh, how that's improved over the years. Yeah. And then in terms of, um, the actual speaking, when I first started, I remember just referencing my only past experience was, was that 96 comp I was telling you about where I use that cheesy voice. And so our first Seagull <laughs> block, I remember kind of experimenting with it here and there. And then halfway through John Glassberg was like, dude, you've got to stop with that <laughs> cheesy voice. So, so then I started, okay, okay. So I started using a more normal voice and, uh, that was one thing I learned right away. But then also I think for me, um, one of the greatest challenges was moving away from just commentating on what we were seeing, mm-hmm. um, which 
you know, it seems obvious, like everybody's watching the event. You don't need to describe exactly what they're doing as if you're on radio. But Mm -hmm. that was kind of the go to thing to do, because often it felt like, well, what can I talk about? It's it's what they're doing right now. And and actually, we've moved away from that. um, And we've learned to talk more about the scene, whatever it is that people can't actually see, uh, the background, the qualifiers, the isolation, whatever it is that, that really enriches the experience of people viewing what's actually going on at the moment. Right. I was going to say that like relaying that color commentary or backstories, like in quick, concise bursts, that strikes me as a pretty learned skill. You know what I mean? How to relay that information quickly, succinctly, engender it with excitement. Was that a struggle for you guys in the beginning? Absolutely, yes, for me. Yeah, I'm sure it was for me as well. It's just, you know, it's, it's not... I mean, we're, I think we're all used to talking about climbing, but the the way that we have to talk about it for the broadcast is different and kind of feels weird at first um, because you're not just kind of, you know shooting it with your friends at the cliff, like you have to kind of keep the action moving and explain what's going on while also trying to build a story around, uh, the, you know, the sequence of the comp over the course of the weekend. Uh, and so it's a lot to remember and a lot to keep track of and you're live. So you, you know, there's no, I mean, we make lots of mistakes, but there's no do overs. So that makes it all more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Live broadcasting is like a high stakes affair. You know what I mean? That's what, when we were talking about, do you get nervous? Like when it's live, you got to deal with those nerves pre-broadcast. And also when you're, if you ever stumble over everything, do you guys find that uh, keeping a smooth flow is challenging or has it gotten easier? Like the more comps you've done. I think it's gotten easier. Yeah. Um, Even year to year when, you know, nine months will go by or, or 10 between, um, for example, when, like this last year when we didn't do Seco comp, um, we had 10 months go by between the, the last sport nationals and then bouldering nationals. And so right away it felt, I felt rusty for the first, I don't know, half hour or something, but then we kind of got back into the groove and I just feel like year to year we improve. Um, and that's how I see it anyway. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, definitely. I see it the same way. I, I remember a specific example um, from Sport Nationals 2014. We were at uh, Center One in California. We were interviewing Chris Sharma, and luckily we were off camera. But I like, I, I like, it, it wasn't necessarily because of Chris, but I, I like froze and didn't know what to say, and I just like it just had a brain fart. Oh, but the, the thing I took away from it was that you know, we weren't on camera. Nobody could see that I wasn't able to think of what to say. And so it kind of makes you realize that you, even though we're live, you can recover. You know, people can't actually tell that you're struggling sometimes. And as long as you just kind of are smooth about it, you don't actually have to panic and uh, freak out about it. Oh my God. That's a learned trait too, dude. You're talking, it's, you're talking about that so nonchalantly, but <laughs> those are the kind of things where like you literally replay that in your head every time you fall asleep for the next two months. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And there's nobody there to say like, Dude, right. nobody noticed. It's okay. <laughs> it's nobody okay. cares. Yeah, that's tough. Um, so does does the uh, does USA USA climbing or louder than eleven? Does anybody give you guys bullet points or anything like that to talk a point talk about or instruction or like messages they want to relay? Or are you yeah. guys just totally yeah. solo? 
no, we, we definitely have some things that um, need to be said from both USA Climbing and we'll get feedback as the as the competition goes on from Louder Than 11 about, hey, you know, stress this, don't do this as much. So we definitely have a lot of input, but, um, you know, ultimately it's kind of like, go get it. <laughs> yeah, there's no script for any of it. So you know, they kind of have directions of the story that we are trying to tell. But once once we go live, like we usually we don't even have commercials, so there's no time to even regroup halfway through or anything like that. We just kind of have our idea of what we want to do, and then mm-hmm. we just kind of have to go with it as the comp unfolds. Nice. Okay. And then I wanted to talk about climbing as like an overarching sport slash lifestyle. So seeing you guys on a broadcast to me is kind of like a signifier, one of one of many signifiers right now that climbing is becoming a bit more of a quote unquote grown up sport, right? A more uh, mature sport um, with, you know, dedicated commentators, uh, climbing's going to the Olympics for better or worse. Um, and you guys are a part of that, although you're both dedicated outdoor climbers. Um, do you see any friction in that, like the way you feel about your outdoor climbing life and then this sport kind of exploding and exponentially growing? Um, and, you know, I don't have to tell you guys that it's just like becoming so popular. Yeah. Something I think um, about all the time. You know, per- personally, I don't have any issue at all with um with the growing popularity of climbing in fact i welcome it i i don't see any disparity between having this you know twice three times a year job with louder than 11 and uh, and being present at these climbing comps and my love for outdoor climbing i think it's great i think the more climbers the better i think being in the olympics is incredible i think it's a great boon for our sport and i really don't see us even scratching the surface of any kind of, uh, numbers of climbers capacity. You know, I, I, I think that's, I think that's limited thinking if we're talking about how there are too many climbers for the amount of resources we have. I, I just don't think that's true at all, especially since most of the climbers don't even go outdoors. Yeah. What about you, Brian? Do you, do you feel any friction with that? I, yeah, I actually do a little bit. I, I, I think I'm just getting a little curmudgeon and you know, I'm kind of like a midlife crisis with climbing. Uh, you know, Chris has been doing it even longer than I have, but I've, it's been going on 20 years for me. And so I kind of to the point where you know, a little bit of a get off my lawn type scenario uh, with the young kids. But for the most part, that's more just my own problems I have to deal with. Um, but, you know, in general, I think, you know, we obviously we played a role in the growth of the sport to some extent. And I think it, overall, like it's really cool. Um, to see the impact it can have, like it's had on my life and Chris's life, I'm sure, and uh, both of you guys as well, and to have have that available to more people seems like overall a positive. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it was kind of a loaded question I asked, but um, you know, you guys are lifers for sure, Chris. You've been in the industry for ages. You, how long have you been writing your column for the Boulder's Daily Camera, which is, uh, you know, awesome. Every single week that you get a new tidbit. Um, oh, thanks, man. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I love it. it. I've been reading it for years. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I've been writing that now for um, more than 11 years, since uh, 2007. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, Climbing Narc, which is 
do I call it deceased, Brian? Is it deceased? <laughs> do you miss it, Brian? <laughs> I miss it. I, I think it's on permanent hiatus. Uh, Me and Feedy were just talking about like um, probably from 2007, maybe 2008 to like 2012, that blog was the first website I went to every morning before I went to work. Awesome. Yeah, nice. that, that sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> ironically, moving to Boulder kind of ruined, like, killed it. Oh, no. Uh, why is that? Yeah, why? Um, well, partly because I had, like, I didn't have as much time to do it, and partly because I had started meeting all the people I was writing about, and it <laughs> kind of changed the dynamic. Like, it made weird. things awkward, and, uh, you know, just uh, it led to me getting burned out on it a little bit more yeah. than. I had when I was living in Wisconsin. That's a lot of work, you know, constantly updating this blog about all the climbing happening in the news kind of, kind of on your own time. So it was appreciated for sure. Oh yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It was basically a hamster wheel that I I couldn't (laughs) couldn't get off of. I don't know. I think, you know, since it's kind of with social media becoming so popular, I feel like there's this aspect of climbing media has kind of gone missing where like, yep. I don't know. I, I just miss those those news tidbits. And I'll go to 8a.new now, and it's not Ugh. it's just not the same. <laughs> don't go there. I know. I want to I stop. Don't do that. I can't stop. I always thought <laughs> when I'd go to the narc, I'm like, how much cocaine does this guy do <laughs> to write all these fucking posts? I don't even drink coffee. You don't even drink <laughs> I, I, I can't believe that. That's still true. That's amazing. That doesn't even make any sense to me. So what would you guys like what would you describe as the goal of your commentary? Cause you know, you have to keep it exciting. You have to provide knowledge. You have to be an entertainer. Um, and I suppose like repping climbing as a lifestyle and a sport, um, as a positive and all encompassing, encompassing aspect of somebody's life would be high on the list. So what are your goals when you step behind the mic and you're up on the stage doing that commentary? Hmm. Other than not fucking up. <laughs> <laughs> I think for for me, it's a combination of one wanting to do a like basically it's doing a service for both the athletes and the fans. So I want to really like acknowledge and try to showcase the the athletes and what they're doing. Like that's really why I got into this in the first place. It's just basically a super fan of competition climbing, um, and then you know just wanting to do the best we can for the fans at home that are watching to help them feel informed and engaged with the broadcast and that they're having fun watching. Right. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think I can say it any better. I that mean, was a good yeah. answer. <laughs> yeah. Like that's exactly my goal as well. I, I really want people to come away thinking, wow, that was a great broadcast. I mean, because a, because of the competition, but B, because whatever we talk about adds to the uh, enjoyment really of it in the same way that when I'm watching the tour, you know, I, I come away like, yeah, the cycling was great, but wow, that commentary really, uh, it made me laugh. It made me, uh, understand more. Yeah. I think, all sorts. yeah. And I think also there's so many potentially new people to the climbing scene watching the event that having you guys there to essentially fill them in on who this person is, is huge because that's a big barrier. If you're watching an event, you're like, I don't actually know what the storylines are, who these people are. Who's Claire Burfiend? Yeah! <laughs> Pardon the interruption. Dave, you don't know who Claire no. Burfiend is? Come on. Yes, I do. Okay. I do know who that is. I was Why using her, shade at her. I was using her as an example. Oh. As you know, in the last five years, she's been an up-and-comer. 
So I just want everybody to know, I, I'll get kicked off the podcast if I don't know who Claire Burfiend is. Correct. And I do. Okay. And that's that. What's a thundercling? I have no idea. Back to the show. Yeah. No, really. I mean, these yeah. new kids are just popping up on yeah. the scene constantly. Yeah, and that, that's one of the biggest challenges that you don't know the context that the audience has. You know, I think especially at the beginning, you just assume everyone that was watching kind of knew everything and what climbing was and how, who everybody was. But that, I think, has changed a lot over the years, and it's hard to step back from that sometimes as the broadcasters and figure out what's the appropriate level to talk about things at. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's um, – yeah, it's a fine line, and I think the best commentators out there, um, of which we are not the best, but we're doing our best, <laughs> um, you know, people like Phil Leggett and stuff, they, they will um, be appealing to a pro-cycling audience as well as complete noobs like myself who know nothing about the pro-cycling um, circuits, and, and I think – that's the challenge really is yeah. is talking about these athletes in a way that will um enlighten the people who already know who they are and inform those who have no idea who they are who they are um mm-hmm. which you know is exactly my challenge with my column really is that i need to make this uh appeal to non-climbers as well as climbers so that that's kind of the whole challenge really summed up uh, you do an exceptional job with that, man. As a guy who has also been climbing for 20 years, I never once think that I'm uh, having to suffer through like noob speak reading your column. <laughs> I, I don't know how you oh, thanks, how you like it. weave that needle, but um, you do it well. You, I mean, you've had a lot of practice too. That's that's for yeah, sure. 11 you. years. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I have a question about like tinkering with the broadcast in the future because uh one of the most enjoyable parts of watching you guys and like on your computer with the little chat up is to see how um you'll occasionally interact with people who are chatting um which is fantastic are there any like ways you'd like to grow or kind of fill out your broadcast um by like interacting with your audience more or any new like surprises you have on the horizon to make it a more interactive event? Man. Well, like the one thing that we've been um, talking about adding to our broadcast for a while is um, instant replay would make a really big difference. And that's, I think one of, uh, at least technically that's one of the biggest differences between our broadcast and most professional sports mm-hmm. broadcasts. Um, so I think that that's something we'll strive for. Um, and it's just there's a number of details that don't let that take place yet, but hopefully that'll happen soon. Like, how would that even happen? You'd need like an engineer who I don't even know. I have no idea how <laughs> any of that end of the thing works. I have no idea. I think it mostly just requires money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pay <laughs> somebody go, else which, to figure it out. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people, you know. A lot of people, and that's not their problem, I guess, is the the consumer, but they don't realize how expensive it is to put these things on and what the limits are around like the support that you can get to put on a live broadcast. Yeah. How many guys are on your, how many folks are on your team? I guess it must be like you know, me and Chris and then maybe three or four people manning the controls. Uh-huh. Plus uh-huh. then you got all the, all the camera operators who are all volunteers. 
That's a tight squad, dude. Well, you could always, Brian, you could go back to being uh, being, being an unpaid intern and just have him hire an engineer or something. There you go. For the future, Brian. If only Chris and I were the reasons that things were too expensive. Yeah, right. I know. So, somehow yeah. I don't think our combined uh, income from this is going to pay for the instant replay. Oh, I thought you guys were like buying a, a boathouse and lodging it up in Majorca or something like that Maybe. from this. I mean, we just take the private jet to all the comps oh, that wow. they send to us and yeah, all that. So the budget, the budget is there. Right. That's like the narc jet, right? <laughs> yep. I think I've, I've seen that thing. Um, so here, like what another thing that people don't understand, I don't think um, most people who've not spoken on such a public stage is that not only are you, everybody understands you're nervous, but. A lot of people don't understand like the visceral adrenaline that courses through you almost the entire broadcast and then boom, the cameras go off, lights go down, the comp's over. How long does it take you guys to come down from like the adrenaline of broadcasting a full comp? <laughs> mm. Yeah, tough one. Or do you feel that? Um, well, as Brian mentioned earlier, the qualifiers um, day can be so long. In fact... Gosh, we've we've had what ten or twelve hours of actual broadcast time during the qualifiers before, oh and uh, I mean that like the adrenaline has long been gone <laughs> yeah, by the end of the right, qualifiers. Yeah. So that one's an easy one, but but yeah, like a finals, um, man, usually takes a few hours of of hanging out, going out, having a beer with the with the louder than eleven crew, maybe some of the athletes. Um, yeah, it it's uh, it kind of makes for a full night. Yeah, it's usually a combination of exhaustion, but then also I like I can't sleep because I'm running through my head like things I could say or things I could have said differently. Uh, just trying to plan those sorts of things, and it gets hard to fall asleep then. Yeah, especially with those recurring memories of like the good things quarreling with the bad things in your head. It makes it tough, man. I remember a time. I don't know if this is still happening to you guys, but I remember watching a few years ago when the format of each different comp would like flummox you guys, especially <laughs> I remember you, Brian being like, I, I, I don't know what's going on here. I don't, I don't know if he's going to finals or if he's out in semifinals has the formatting settled down in an easier to understand paradigm at all. Or you guys just like grabbing some dice, throwing Yahtzee out and saying, well, I think Daniel Woods made it. <laughs> well, I th this is the, the challenge with, you know, such limited production staff is that there's no, like we don't have a producer that's standing next to us, figuring all this out for us. Like we're, yeah. we're, we're live on the air doing math or what have you and doing our best to be informed and say the right thing. But it's, you know, it's hard to be hundred percent accurate, especially you know, some of the years with the really complex rank scoring formula that they used to have, uh, that I just prefer not to talk about ever again. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that makes it much more difficult, you know, but, yeah, that's right. If we had somebody that was kind of helping us off camera be the thinker, the brains behind the broadcast, so we could just spend most of our energy on making the words, that would have that would be make a big difference, I think. Yeah. You but yeah, the scoring has gotten easier though. Like uh yeah. from those rank whatever it's called. I don't even know anything about that. And I I never knew how that worked. Um yeah, it's become a lot easier, much more intuitive. Yeah, and they've actually built out USA Climbing has built out a scoring system that ties into their uh, website, so it makes everything a lot easier than it used to be. Where we're kind of doing things by the seat of our pants. Right. It's not. It's nice not to be doing algebra on a napkin in front of you. You know what I mean? 
yeah just a computer doing the work um i have a i don't know if this is a stupid question or not but climbing is going to the olympics um who's gonna broadcast that for nbc or nbc sports or whoever whatever godforsaken channel it's gonna be on um do you guys know anything about that or have you been in in any talks do you want to break any news I wish. Oh, <laughs> no? Oh, man, I was hoping for the opposite. Well, the answer is I just don't know. Um, and I know Louder Than Eleven would also love to be a part of that. And the last time we talked with John Glassberg about it, um, I don't think he knew either. So that's as far as I've gotten. Do you know anything else, Brian? <laughs> nope. That's, that's as much as I know as well. And there's no, like, rumors flying around? Because, I mean, it's like just about 2019 like we're at the door here as far as like preparation goes um i'd hate to see bob costas like struggling to describe a gaston you know what i mean he's holding a <laughs> i mean you, you have to wonder how much it's even going to be broadcast you know it's, it's a brand new sport that hasn't been in the olympics before and probably not it's not you know probably not going to be in prime time on nbc it's going to be one of the more niche things that is part of the olympics i would assume I'd imagine it. I mean, most sports are still like, still have a broadcast crew though. Like wrestling has a crew. I mean, they'd never show when it was an Olympic sport. They'd never show Olympic baseball. They hardly ever did, but it had a full broadcast crew at like two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. One of the funny things I learned during the Winter Olympics is that most of the people that were broadcasting those weren't even in South Korea. They were in some studio in Connecticut or something. Oh, yeah. Like basically, if you didn't see them on camera, they weren't even in Korea. They were somewhere else, shouting in a you know a cubicle or something, uh, awesome. doing the doing the commentary. So that's, I would suspect that it might be similar for Japan, since you know the time zones and everything, and it's got to be really expensive to send enough people over yeah. there. So well, you guys Mike, can just Mike take has, the private jet, though, right? <laughs> the that's jet. true. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the real spoiler, of course, is that. Brian's actually trying to qualify for the U.S. Brian, you can <laughs> oh. do so he's been training. I mean, he's he's all under this like, oh yeah, I'm a dad thing, but actually, he's been training like a boss. I blew my cover. Been going to Governor Dodge quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, working on my speed climbing there. <laughs> <laughs> Those are about, okay. Well, man, good luck, Brian. We're going to be rooting yeah. for you in the Olympics. Are yeah. you going to be wearing like a skin suit also? Yeah, I'm going full aerodynamics for the yep. whole yeah. whole round. Have to, have to. <laughs> God, man. Well, the United States is fully behind you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, no problem. Um, uh, well, I, I wish you guys the best. I, I'm I'm really curious about how that's all going to play out. If they're just going to like uh, get Joe Blow and Cindy Blow to like talk about climbing, or if they're actually going to get some climbers, because I think you guys are kind of like at the top of the food chain when it comes to that. I think you should start pushing um, pushing some phone calls. <laughs> my, my suspicion is that they would do like, you know, one quote unquote broadcast professional and then one climber. Um, so however that would shake out. God, miserably, yeah. I would imagine is how that would shake out. Like, can it you imagine? I mean, I guess you are talking to an audience that's never, for the most part, never seen climbing and even climbers who've never watched a speed climbing competition you know so that's true well and i'm really curious how they're going to broadcast this because i don't know if you guys watched the world championships the other weekend when they had the combined format i did on it was very long yeah and that's you know typically i can't think of a 
how many events that they would show in their entirety like that. I guess with streaming now they can afford to show everything, mm-hmm. but it's a pretty long broadcast. That was a bit confusing even to me as well. It was so it was such a new format. Did you find it a bit? Um, I don't know if confusing is the right word, but it was it did strike me as awful new and it was weird. Like a test run. Super strange to see Adam Andre yeah. speed climbing. <laughs> I I didn't mind it as much as I thought I would. I, I mean, yeah. I think overall, this is my complaint about every comp I've ever been involved with. That is way too long. Uh, you know, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. three three and a half hour broadcasts are are just not very uh, viewer friendly. And there's especially with like the bouldering comp. There's a lot of downtime. People not actually climbing. Yeah, which makes it tough. Um, but then the other part is that the IFSC has this very puzzling relationship with the Olympic channel that makes it really hard to actually watch the broadcasts in the U S. So I didn't even actually watch most of it cause it's too difficult. Right. Yeah. I thought the way they did the lead climbing was, was really good. Um, and that went by very quickly. I saw the men's finals and that was awesome. How the run or the person, um, about to get on was already tied in shoes on and, and the one, person would either finish or fall off and then the next person would kind of run in with their belayer already on belay shoes on i that was just great i I thought it worked out really well because because it went by quickly Mm -hmm. yeah i think as two guys who talk about um and i think i'm on your team here and i think feedy is as well that uh man the more success that climbing has, it's the better for people in the industry. It's a better for climbers. Hopefully there's more money funneling into conservation. Um, like the access fund and things like that. But how do you think, uh, how do you think they're going to rejigger those events to be, uh, like more appealing for total climbing neophytes or how do you think they can? Well, I mean, I think the World Cup style bouldering, for example, and speed climbing do appeal to complete non-climbers just because it's something that uh, it makes sense. It's Speed climbing is a race, and you see the times, and then the bouldering is just kind of a wild athletic thing. Like I know very little about gymnastics, for example, but I really enjoy watching it because it's just so cool what humans can do. And I think that's what people are seeing with the bouldering. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't, I guess there's a question of whether or not they should feel like they need to change anything, but I think you find with most Olympic sports and with the comps we do in general, like the people really gravitate towards the the human stories and, you know, the physical aspect of it is nice if you can have, like, exciting action. But if you really need to develop the actual personalities of the people that are involved so people feel like some sort of connection and that they want them to succeed. Absolutely. Right. It's a good answer. And it's also a good point to say that, like, should climbing feel obligatory to change themselves to be more appealing? I would say probably not. But if they want to remain an Olympic sport, then maybe that's a... Uh, crossroads we're going to have to decide which way to go on you know what i mean yeah that's i mean that's the challenge because i don't think it's a stretch to say that like the olympic movement is uh has a lot of positives to it but there are also a lot of you know downsides to how like how the political machinations work behind the scenes and things like that so you know changing your sport in a fundamental way just to appease the olympics seems like a a bad thing for me at least i totally agree and then getting booted out of the olympics you know eight years later because it's not appealing enough and then you fundamentally changed your sport. That sounds like a bad idea. Yeah. I, I think there's, um, 
something worth remembering here, though, is that Olympic climbing, competitive climbing, all of that is just becoming kind of further and further away from rock climbing yeah. and, mm-hmm. and what, yeah. what climbing really is to those who do it, <laughs> meaning those who go outside and go rock climbing. It's, it's a completely different sport now. So even if the Olympics has some negative effects on um, competition climbing in general, or even if the competitors have to work on their image a little bit, um, I don't think that's going to ever change the core of what climbing really is. Yep. God, I hope not. Yeah, I think you're totally right. That would be, I, I can't even imagine how that would happen. How the, right. cl- the climbing community as a whole, which is often seen as like an iconoclastic bunch of folks, or at least has been in the past, that just because there was an Olympic broadcast that they'd somehow changed the way they comported themselves outdoors. That's doubtful. Mm-hmm. All right. I got a game show question for you. So I'm going to, yeah, that's right. I'm going to ask each of you a question about the other. All right. Oh boy. That's right. How would you describe each other's personalities behind the mic and how they play off of how you guys play off of each other? And can you describe each other's best assets as a broadcast team? So don't talk about yourselves. Talk about each other. Hmm. It's like a job interview. That's right. <laughs> I know I, I, you're Brian. We're definitely going to hire you, knowing yeah. how much we have to pay. That's Olympic. right. So you got we, the we job. Might to, <laughs> we might have to clear that up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Wait. So, what was the first part of the question again? Um, how would you describe each other's like personalities behind the mic, and how you're able to play off of that personality successfully? Because I think you do. You guys, okay. we've said it a million times. You do a wonderful job. You know, I I feel really lucky here because Brian's personality is, is he's so he's so accurate. Like it's it's almost frustrating sometimes because he knows everything about the competitors, <laughs> about past comps, about the rules, about the scoring, all this stuff that I kind of like gloss over. Like he knows everything about it, and so like his um, his personality is um, is all of these facts, but on top of that, this really funny dry humor that comes out often. But if if you'd listen to his tone of voice, you wouldn't know that he's making a joke. <laughs> right, but, I mean, right. he, he has these zingers that just make me crack up all the time. Very British. Yes, indeed. I love it. All right, wow. and then um, so those are his best assets. How, how about you, Brian? What you know, dish dish us on Chris. Well, that was very that was very kind, Chris. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Chris, I think Chris does a really good job of balancing. Like my my need for accuracy, I think, can be a detriment sometimes. He brings a little bit of lev- levity and uh, kind of helps remind me sort of what we're doing there, which is to you know have fun while trying to entertain people and. Uh, you know, cert, you know, bring to light the competition that's going on. Um, so I really appreciate that aspect of what he brings. Thanks, bro. <laughs> now, now, would uh-huh. you guys like to amend any of those statements yeah. for uh, some um, aspects that you think your broadcast partner really has to work on because they're uh, they're submarining the broadcast? <laughs> Feel free. This is a safe place, yeah, guys. Let it out. <laughs> This is a judgment-free zone. Mm-hmm. This is totally judgment-free. 
I think Chris needs a hairdresser for our on the on camera shots. <laughs> That's rough. I think you're man. right. That's rough. Savage, Brian. You're absolutely. Maybe some Rogaine too. <laughs> hey, dude, I, I I'm struggling too, Chris. I, I if if Feedy would have said that to me, I'd punch him in the face. <laughs> Judgment free zone. Judgment free zone. That's, that's right. That's, that's right. below the belt, Brian. Uh, to be fair, we're both really more you know radio voices than <laughs> on camera on camera beauties. Yeah. <laughs> on camera beauties. At least I'll, for myself, I'll speak for myself there. <laughs> I, I think you just uh, coined the name of this podcast on <laughs> camera <laughs> beauties. <laughs> so I thank you for that. And I'm just curious. So what do you guys do um, professionally? I guess outside of commentating. Uh, this is pretty funny because if you would like a lot of people seem to assume that this is our profession even though they only see us doing it <laughs> two to three times a year so that Great if gig. this was our job that would be, be amazing amazing <laughs> yeah. oh my god um, I'll climb now. yeah, yeah. I, I'm a software developer by trade so I, that's why I spend most of my time doing it and then these, these comps are really more of like a entertaining side side gig for me excellent yeah and I uh I write about climbing, um, A, for the Daily Camera newspaper, and also I freelance for magazines and stuff like that. And uh, actually, the last couple of years, I've been also spending a bunch of time co-writing a Boulder Canyon guidebook with Jason Haas. Oh, nice. That's almost done. It's almost done. Is that for – is Fixed Pin still – is his company still alive? Fixed Pin is still around, um, but Jason sold it. Yeah. And so – um, so our book is no longer with fixed pin. We're going to publish, uh, just independently. Oh, dude, that's great. Um, when is that slated to come out? Um, do not have an exact date, but we are something like 96 or 97% done documenting the Canyon. So it's going to wow. be, uh, you know, next year at some point is when it'll actually be on the bookshelves. Awesome, man. I'll look forward to that for sure. I've been seeing you in Boulder Canyon on uh, the Instagrams quite often recently, and that makes sense. Yep, yep. Been spending a lot of time there. It's been great, actually. Today you coined a term, term, I think, called the nipple high step. (laughs) The nipple step. Wow. That's that's true. I I literally just looked at that before we started talking. I was like, oh, man, I need to do a nipple high step. Nice. (laughs) Brian, uh, Brian, do you ever tell your uh, coworkers, non-climbers, about your commentating? And do they ever oh, tune yeah. in? I'm sure that must uh, be interesting for them to see you in that kind of different sphere, social sphere. Yeah, it's been kind of fun. I've had a, a couple cases where people had randomly just seen it and <laughs> recognized me. Um, and then, yeah, my coworkers make fun of a particular incident that happened in a broadcast a few years ago, and they still bring it up to this day, and it's kind of a funny yeah, what thread, that, thread that we keep pulling. And, yeah, what happened? And feel free, <laughs> feel free to expound upon that. Well, I mean, it's embarrassing, and I don't think many people actually picked up on it because it happened during qualifiers a few years back, so it was lost in the midst of hours oh. and hours and hours of footage. I know what um, you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I blame one of my coworkers for this, but he, 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 he kept casually dropping this phrase Netflix and chill and in the context that didn't really give me the proper clues as to its uh, real meaning. Uh, oh, no. And so then I, in one of the broadcasts, I, I use it as like a, a joke or something about one of the competitors having time to Netflix and chill now that he'd finished the, the, the problem he was on. 
and somebody tweeted at me and they're like, I don't think, oh, I don't no. think the commentator knows what that means. <laughs> <laughs> so now they, we bring that up at work pretty mm. frequently. That is, that's a good also one. bring it up in person too. <laughs> Chris, do you have an embarrassing moment like this as well? Oh man. Um, th- I don't, gosh, the problem is I have so many embarrassing moments that there's not one that really sticks with me. And that one, that one just stands out to me particularly because if I had said it about the wrong competitor, I could have gotten arrested perhaps. I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, you had been behind bars. Yeah. It's a sensitive <laughs> time to be saying things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, and I, I really try not to cross that line and it really is just, uh, yeah, totally unintentional on my part. It's so great. Well, I'm I'm glad that um, we could facilitate uh, many people listening to this podcast and then go hunting that out and maybe making it go viral. That would be, uh, be a deep pull if somebody could find it because it. I think it predated the highlight reels, or maybe the person just fell asleep. I'm not sure because ah. it was. It's really buried deep in there. That feels like a challenge, Feedy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Even if they found it, I wouldn't watch it. So. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um. Well, I know, Brian, you're on daddy duty tonight. We've been going for an hour, uh, so I will let you tuck yourself into sleep. Um, But I want to say, number one, I I was really excited to talk to you guys, and I think you do a fantastic job, and I kind of think about what you're doing in a a pioneering way. You guys kind of don't have a big roadmap for what you're doing, and um, you're comporting yourself very well on live broadcast, so congratulations for that. And then also, Thank thanks thanks for making this happen. It's tough to get four people on the mics at the same time. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much, Dave. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you yeah, thanks. It, this, this is super fun. I don't get to talk about climbing as much as I used to, and Chris and I don't get to get, get together and chat as much as we used to either, so it's super fun. social injustice don't give my respect now. Some say my heart, it's Wow. That was good. They're always good. And Brian and Chris are Fantastic. like amazing, yeah. uh, super smart guys, obviously have been around the block and climbing and the experiences they're having, like in the broadcast booth and the insight they brought to that conversation about the Olympics and kind of how competition could change um, climbing as a sport and lifestyle. Fascinating, dude. Fascinating. <laughs> I can't wait to watch them next time. I can't wait to watch the next time they're on the tube. And you- I hope they freaking can do the olympics you guys really need to watch those uh oh god the, the commentary highlights slash bloopers they are fantastic whoever makes those hats off yeah that, that's a what, labor of love I that think, is right a there. labor of love man because holy moly uh we i'll link those in the on the uh web page so speaking of it no you know what I, we were just gonna do the housekeeping let's not let's it's not do it. the holiday season still Mm-hmm. We're not going to have another podcast this year. Well, our next one will be up on the third or something like that. Yeah, cut us a break, guys. We need a break. Yeah, give us a break. I you can't work like this anymore. Like, it's hard when I walk into movement and I have these hordes of people being like. I saw that last time you were there. It was like you were being swallowed by a crowd of adoring. Yeah, people. They were also punching you. Are you Dave? Are you Dave? And you just shook your head no, full I of hair, and you're like, "No, I said I was. I'm not Dave. No, I'm, I'm the good-looking one. I'm the quiet one. Quiet <laughs> one. Um, are you are you a resolution guy, Feedy? That was me saying, saying 
a fuck is going to come out there, but I feel fuck like yeah, you don't mate. know if you were going to say no or yes. Dude, I am the strongest proponent of making a list and then checking it twice and then never looking at it again and then forgetting it and then acting like you did anything about it. It seems like you shouldn't even take the time to make the list if you're going to no, do no, that. No, no, no. You have to appreciate the little <laughs> steps, Dave. That is still more than doing nothing. Yeah. So you pay attention to the little steps, but the big yeah. steps, you're like, Jesus, Act- I can't. how can I be asked to do those things when I wrote this whole list? It took me all afternoon to write this list. I, You know what? I, was, I said that in jest maybe a little bit because last year I did have some, I had some goals that maybe did, did come come to fruition okay what about the what about 2019 dude do you have any goals 2019 i want to be able to climb again i miss climbing yeah i can see it in your face when you say I that wanna, i want to tap out cedar right so I've been, oh i actually started training again i can't even believe we haven't heard from him yet i know he's scared that's fine if you if you guys don't know what i'm talking what we're talking about listen to episode one because feedy feedy puts his hat backwards yeah cool guy and uh charges cedar right mm-hmm. and uh maybe f- finally figure out what where this wild uh-huh. winding journey with this road is leading me just the whole, like life <laughs> yeah wow that's a good how do you quanti- <laughs> how do you quantify successfully achieving that goal i like to leave it open-ended oh, okay. <laughs> so you want to climb again you want your um, gravel driveway, bare-chested, bare-chested wrestling, gravel match wrestling match yeah. with Cedar, yeah. and you want to figure out the nuances and quandaries of the life that you're living. Look, Dave, if you want to have a successful resolutions, dude, make, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah, those seem really simple. <laughs> I, think you're, I think one of them is no problem. I think you will climb. Okay. And maybe at, if you do get to wrestle Cedar... After it's over, when you're on the ground, yeah, sweating and, and bleeding, Just and you can't really talk anymore because you swallowed like six of your yeah, teeth. teeth. Yeah, cradling his cold body. And Cedar's like standing over you with a shadow, oh and it, sweat is dripping off his chin into your gaping, huffing mouth. <gasps> Maybe that is when you'll have the epiphany about what yeah. your life truly means. So, Cedar, okay. help Feedy out. <laughs> yeah. Please. In both of these different It doesn't ways. have to be on gravel, okay? We can lay down a tarp. Over the gravel, though. the gravel. Yeah, it's still to be over the <laughs> gravel. It's got to be really sharp gravel under yeah. the tarp. What about you, Dave? Please en- enlighten me. I don't know. I, I am definitely a resolution guy. I usually stick by them. Um, I don't know what they're going to be this year. But I, I, I have some thoughts about what I want Thundercling to become. Whoa. I want more than anything, and we talk about this every show, um, if anybody out there listening would like to write an essay or a story about their experiences in climbing, something that can touch people, can make people laugh, um, we will throw that m effer on our website. Thank, thank you for not saying that word. I wouldn't say that it's word. That's right. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays to you too, man. <laughs> um, that's, cool, my, that's, cool. that's my main goal. Like, We're going to have our podcast one week, and then the other week I'd like to feature at least one piece. So there's always content, yeah, content on the website. Yeah, Dave and I also, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to spill the beans on this, but uh, Dave and I have been tossing around some ideas about some little sketch videos we might be putting out. Oh, yeah. I would I, like that to be, become a thing. 
Yep. So, so. we got videos that are going to come. Stupid spoofy videos. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Maybe they'll be like. Maybe they'll be fucking serious. Yeah. Maybe it's Orson Welles Orson type Wells stuff. Style. Yeah, Rosebud. We're actually <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you have a we're look we're casting right now. So if you have an actor, real or portfolio, send it to thunderkling at gmail dot com. Thunderkling podcast at gmail dot com. Clearly, I check it all the time because we have so many emails. So I check I, it every day. If you have a query um, that you'd like to, uh, you have a photo essay or you'd like to write something, at some point we hope to be able to pay. That's going to be a big step too. Whoa. We don't have any sponsors. I'm just going to be paying Dude, out of my what? own 2019 account. goal, number one climbing podcast. I fucking said it. No, do you think... Oh boy, those Oof. are that's heavy. That's dude. heavy, actually. Um, there's some there's some big. Aren't you supposed to set a goal that's like just out of reach, alongside like a really attainable and then like a hard one? You should have that just maybe, maybe not feasible, but maybe it could happen. Goal. I don't I don't think we could be the best climbing podcast because we're too dipshitty. Mm. Like there are other climbing podcasts out there who are like pretty serious, kind of funny, but. You know, they really keep it pretty earnest. Damn. You're do we do that? sinking the ship. Dave. I don't know. I'm Guys, scared. Guys, could you all send a message to Dave that says, don't hurt Feedy's feelings anymore. <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't read those fucking messages. I'm not going to read those. But again, happy holidays. Yeah. I want to say that to you. Thanks. So those are some goals. We'll see what happens. We'd like more content on the website, but most importantly, we'd like to feature... You guys, our listeners, our friends. Um, Do you guys have any goals? Do you have any ideas for us? Like, yeah, give us a goal. Please. Yeah, give us a goal. Give us a goal. We'll Doesn't do I even it. have to be climbing related? Whoever has the best idea or anything, we'll talk about it. <laughs> I'll send you a t-shirt. We have a t-shirt? Uh, Davey. I, I will send a climbing t-shirt to who gives us the best idea for a goal. Keep your eyes peeled for our holiday card, too. We'll be shooting us anyone out. Yeah, if anybody would have emailed us, then we would send you a holiday card. But as it stands, we have zero. You fucking don't email us. You're not going to get a holiday card. Although I we, do, I do want to shout out. Actually, we've had a lot of great feedback, and I just want to say thank you. Yeah, Thanks thank for you for listening to us. We have had a lot of feedback. When you start a podcast, it's a little bit scary because you don't hear much of anything <laughs> from anybody. And you really don't know yeah. if anybody's listening at all other than the rolling numbers on iTunes. But uh, the feedback's been good. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind one bad. I wouldn't either. Like one nugget of like, See, you guys fucking need to go back I to the cave say, you crawled out of. To, that's when you know you're making it when you got some haters. Ah, man. I just, I want some people to I be drinking some, that haterade. I want some people to be like, Dave, are you, what, what's wrong with your voice? You sound like a 13-year-old man and a 14-year-old man's body. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's not a very good dig. Yeah, but I've I have a feeling people will be like, "Yo, bro, it's good luck. Good thing you're on a podcast because you're ugly as a fucking beaten armadillo." Whoa, then I'd that's be a like, good dig. "I'd be like, whoa, no. that guy's getting a t-shirt." <laughs> How does he know what you look like? Maybe he's seen me around. I don't know. Maybe he's a stalker. Holy shit, Holy, that's my goal. That's, that's my goal. Get I, a I stalker, would, yeah, I want I want a thundercling stalker. God damn it, Dave! Look out! Look outside! That car has been there for fucking. We're looking outside right now. There's that car's a car been out there, there for fucking. If that's our first stalker, goal achieved. Okay, let's wrap this fucking thing okay. up. People have places to go. No, they they have to celebrate their chosen holiday. 
Maybe it's Hanukkah. Maybe it's Kwanzaa. Maybe it's Christmas. Maybe it's Festivus. There's all kinds of holidays to celebrate. Oh, it's a Festivus. Yeah, we can uh, we can uh, do some feats of strength a little bit later on. Whoa. Settle our grievances. Air our grievances. Anyway, let's not talk about that. What else do we have to talk about? We got uh, get a hold of us at thunderclingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you guys want to rate and review us, that helps out a lot on iTunes. If you don't want to, still do it. Whoa, I didn't expect that. And <laughs> we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be much stricter in the coming year too. Um, if you don't have time for it, don't worry about it. We are on social media. Slowly growing it a little bit. We're on Thundercling and Face... Thundercling? Thundercling and Face Thumbs. <laughs> We're on Face Thunders and Insta... Insta... Instaclings. Instaclings, so that's right. So you can find us on there. Um, and I guess I'd like to give a big shout out and special thank you to Ryan Doty. Of course, always. His music is great. Who makes our music possible. He's a hard, hard working troubadour. Check him out at RyanDotyMusic.com. All right. Do you have anything else to say? Nothing except for the sound of snow falling. Pine boughs boughs. slowly wafting in the breeze. The quiet crackling of the fireplaces. You're surrounded by your loved ones. Sweet children giggling in the other room. (laughs) Hey, Uncle Feedy, can we eat the gingerbread house yet? No. No, you little fuckers! That's exactly. Yep. And uh, thank you. Okay. Bye. (laughs) Bye bye. Happy holidays. yourself a rock climber you like to climb the rocks you call yourself a rock climber you go straight to the top I got something to tell you friend you are not a rock climber you're a sport Um, sealer you're a rappeller, spelunker, a sword ab sealer. You're no fucking rock climber. We are judgmental rock climbers. No! Come on, man, get your shit straight. You're not a rock climber, man. You're not a fucking rock climber. Don't come to my clubhouse no more. Ooh, you're a sport ab sealer. Put on your helmet and your mouth guard, you fucking punk. I'm just kidding, we are not judgmental rock climbers. You can go up, you can go down. You can be a sport ab sealer in our town. It's okay, man, we don't judge. But let me tell you something. You ain't no fucking climber. You are a spellunkerer. You are an ab sealer. You are a sick, stupid sport ab sealer. Why don't you go put on your mossy camouflage and fucking ab seal off my cliff? Jamie, or whatever your name is, is you look like a Jamie. Everybody looks like a Jamie in this town. Welcome to Climb Climber Town. <laughs>